Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. The word of the year is the way. So, so pretty much the word of the year is the way. God wants us to walk in a certain path so that we would be able to be spiritually positioned to receive God's blessings, his favor, his grace, and be able to be in the, pretty much in the niche of what he's doing, even to the point where it talks about his provision and extending your territory. Like when I, when I say that, I'm talking about spiritually, of the place where God is going to put you spiritually, he'll extend your ter- territory as you walk in the way. Um, to start off the teaching, I'm going to read a Bible verse that many times people read it, and they're focusing on eternity. They're focusing on salvation. A lot of times it's read, and it's like preaching uh, from the standpoint of letting people know, hey, you know, like, like if you don't give your life to the Lord, you're going to go to hell, which obviously it's true. Um, but today I want you to see it from a different lens not from the lens of eternity, but the lens of today. Today. Today is February, what they say, the 11th. So picture this through the lens of today. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. And remember, the word of the year is the way. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go um, in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So uh, obviously there's a couple different um, translations. But the bottom line is Jesus is focusing on there's a wide path that most people walk down, and the wide path leads to destruction. There's a narrow path that he wants us to walk on, which is the way that he wants us to walk in, um, and that path leads to life. And a lot of times people use this verse, how I said, to talk about eternity. It's like, hey, the whole world, it's a huge path. They're, They're pretty much like going to hell because they're not giving their lives to God, Um, You got to walk the narrow path to have salvation. But I want you to look at this from a daily standpoint. On a daily basis, do you walk the way the world walks, even though you know God, and you don't walk down the way, the path that he highlights? Because God wants you to walk down the path. Um, So that's a key verse I want you to focus on. Now, a big question I have for you today is who loves to clean? Who loves to clean? Not too many hands went up. Who loves to clean, all right? Who doesn't like to clean? It's like, yo, I don't want to clean at all. All right. Some people, uh, thank you for being honest. A couple kids raise their hand and be like, mama tells me to clean my room all the time. I don't want to clean, right? Do I get an amen back there? I saw your hand go up. Yeah, amen, right? 
<laughs> so uh, some, some of us love to clean, clean some of us don't. Um, I know Jen and I, we, we share responsibility on cleaning. Uh, I, I'll tell you this much. I, I don't love to clean dishes. Jen usually does the dishes like in the house. Jen can't stand doing the garbage cans and the garbage that goes out. I usually take care of that. And, you know, like other things around the house, we pretty much split what we're going to be doing. And obviously, we, we do everything that has to get done. But when it comes to cleaning, some of us love it and some of us don't. And if we love cleaning, and even if, even if you don't, there's certain products that we would love to use. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about products and process, and we're going to start with products. Some of us, when we clean, we love using Fabuloso. Yo, Fabuloso smells amazing. Like, you know, like, like please don't drink Fabuloso because like, yo, this smells so good, I'm going to drink it. No, no, that would be bad. But Fabuloso smells amazing. Some of us are big Fabuloso fans. Any fans here? Fabuloso? Fabuloso, all right, all right. But some of us, we're, we're more of the Mistoline people. The Mistoline, yo, Jesus, Jesus put his hands up. Viva Puerto Rico, Mistoline. That's what Jesus said up there. Uh, you know, Mistoline, some Mistoline people here, all right. Some of us, and this is like my mom, she used to love to use Comet. Comet. Always use it. We got, we got one cheering for Comet. Anyone else? All right, we got a couple Comet people here. All right, Comet. Now, where are my Pine Soul people at? Pine Soul, the next one. And it's crazy to think that just because something smells like pine, it's clean. Like, you know, like, ooh. Pine, it's clean. It could be super dirty, but it just smells like uh, pine soul, and it's clean in our eyes and minds. And lastly, I think it's one of the champions here, is Clorox. How many of you love Clorox? How many of you use, like, the scented Clorox? All right, all right, because it's scented and stuff. So, obviously, we talked about products but now we're going to talk about process. Say process. Now, there's a lot of different tools you could use. It's going to be the next image, too. Like, obviously, there's different types of mops. Some of you like the traditional mop. Now they have the ones, what do you call those things? The one, uh, the Swiffers. That it comes with the wet, uh, like the pad that you put on it. Um, there's so many different things that, and you might know what, would work better or not. Like, you have your preference whether you want to admit it or you don't. And there's a process for those of us that clean. There's a process. And I wasn't planning to say this, but I do have to say, I don't know what it is, but moms have, like, a spiritual gift anointing most of the time to clean. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I would see my mom clean what would normally take me or probably Jen or younger generation, like four hours, she'll probably do it like an hour. And Jen's mom too, she's amazing. But everybody has a process. And just to give you an example, when my mom used to use Comet, the, the Comet, she used to put it around the tub uh, and leave it there. And, 
And literally had to be left there for like two hours. It's like, mommy, me tengo que bañar. I don't think I shower. You know, mommy. It's like, no, you got to sit there. You got to sit there like for two hours. And then you got to scrub it real well and let it all rinse. You get what I'm saying? There's a process involved. And all of you know that for those of you that clean, there's a process. So today, we're going to continue talking about the Beatitudes And we're going to be reading about Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. As you know, I, I always love to see the opposite of a meaning of a truth just to be able to uh, get a different angle at it. Um, the opposite of blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God is this. Cursed are the sinful in heart for they will not see God. Cursed are the sinful in heart for they will not see God. So I want to highlight three quick points here. Number one is this. It's extremely vital to examine the condition of our heart. Extremely vital to examine the condition of our heart. How's your heart today? How, how is our heart, our spiritual heart, really doing today? Um, I don't know about you. I, I think that there's two categories in this world when it comes to visiting the doctors. Um, I know people in my life, some of them are very, very close to me, that absolutely can't stand going to the doctors at all. Like, you know, like they could be like sick as can be, laying down on a sofa, like drooling, like about to pass out. It's like, you got to go to the doctor. No, I'm okay. Like, I'll make it through. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they just don't like going to the doctor. And then you have the opposite. You have the, per, the type of people that love to go to the doctor whenever or almost every day if they could. It's, it's like, it's, they make up stuff. It's like, oh, I think I got a new disease. I, I don't know what I got, but like my left eyeball itches and twists, uh, or like, like, you know, like moves and stuff. Like they come up with things just to be able to go to the doctor as often as possible. Um, I know all of us, we're somewhere there. How many of you don't like doctors? Raise your hand. All right, all right. How many of you go a little bit too much to the doctor? All right, all right. And some of you are honest, you raise your hand. But we all know that at the very least, we should examine ourselves once a year physically to um, going to the doctor. At least you want to do blood work, see how you're doing. Um, But spiritually speaking, examining our heart, it's a daily thing. Daily. This isn't like once a year, once in a while, once, uh, once upon a time, like if there's a teaching about it. Every single day, daily, we need to examine our hearts and see the condition and status of our hearts. The second point I want to highlight is this. The reward is seeing God in our daily lives and for all of eternity. That verse that we just read that highlights, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This isn't referring to you'll see God one day in the future in eternity. And obviously I'm not talking about 
physically seeing God, but the pure in heart will see God in their lives daily. Daily. That's what Jesus is saying. That's, that's God's promise. This isn't Carlito saying it. Carlos says that if you're pure in heart, you will see God. And that's a daily thing. You'll see God moving in your life, at work, in the community. You'll see him active. And I don't know about you, but I cannot go one day without God. I need to be as close as God as possible every single day because I'm lost without him and he's my everything, everything. I can't take my next breath without him. And it's one of those things that you have to be thirsty and hungry for him and realize that you need him in your life. So I just love the fact that God gives us, like pretty much let us realize how we could see him on a daily basis in our life. And of course, for all eternity as well. But there's a third point I want to highlight too, is this, never forget the seriousness of sin. I think one of the things that the enemy loves to do, so I'm, I'm going to let you realize this, is if you don't know it already, you probably do. He wants, you to de- he wants to desensitize you to the impact of sin in your life. Like in a sense, he wants you to feel that when you sin, it doesn't really cause any ripple effect in your physical, spiritual, mental life at all. Like, kind of like, it's okay, everybody does it. And so many times when I talk to people, when they practice sin and they live a life of sin, they, they respond to me like, but Carlos, God knows, uh, God, God knows how I am. He understands my situation. Uh, he, he's been with me long enough. He knows I curse all the time. He realizes my struggle with pornography or with lust or with alcoholism or whatever it may be. You know, God understands, like, he's okay with it. And I honestly, I wish everyone would look through the Bible and try to find where God, at any point in the Bible where God says, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay with the sin that you're choosing to entertain, Um, even though everywhere else in the scripture says it's wrong. And it doesn't matter what the world says, because what ends up happening is we believe the words and the noise of the world more sometimes than what God says. And what God says is wrong, it's wrong, no matter what the world might be amplifying out there in the streets. What God says is right is right. What God says is wrong is wrong. And that's the truth that we stand by. So the enemy would want us to dilute what sin is in our life. And it's not a big deal. So I I do have to let you know, if you sin and you don't think twice, let's say, to ask God for forgiveness, or you don't think it's a big deal, uh, pretty much God, God wants you to know that the enemy has blinded you. Blinded you. You're blinded. And it's one of those things that we need to realize the seriousness, uh, seriousness of sin for all of us. And it's one of those uh, um, things I want to highlight, too. It's just the fact that there's no such thing as a small sin. Like, you know, sin is sin. And if you give the enemy a foothold, he'll be able to try to gain more access in your life. Uh, Like when big temptation, if you have victories every day with small temptations, when the big temptations come around, you've already trained yourself 
in the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to say no. Uh, one of the things I used to love, love when I was a kid was going to car washes. I have to say, I still love going to car washes. Anyone else? You like going to car washes? I love going to car washes. There's going to be a picture there behind me, especially when you see like the machines come out and all the things hidden the car outside and all the noises, pretty much the, the shooting of the water on the side and everything gets soapy. And some car washes, they have all the different colors of the soap. So it's, it's pretty cool. But I remember as a little kid, I loved it. And I was super nervous at the same time. Super nervous. Uh, as a little kid, I would be there. I was like, make sure all the windows are closed. I'm like this. Like almost feeling that if one inch of one of the windows would be open, I would drown. Because all that water would come in and I would end up being swimming like in an ocean inside the car. So I would be terrified sometimes because I'm like, Bobby, Bobby, turn, put up that window, put up that window. And I, sometimes I feel like he would play with me too. Like from the standpoint, he'll lower the window a little bit. I'm like, no, dad, we're going to die. Like, you know, like, put that window up. So it's like, but I used to love it. And one of the things, obviously, it's beautiful is that you would come out and the car would look gorgeous on the outside. One of the things I absolutely love, too, is the armor roll. Uh, just want to let you know, Jen loves too. Anytime I do a car wash on Jen's car, she's like, you better make sure they put that little uh, armor roll around those tires because it makes it shiny, you know what I mean? So the armor roll, that car could look gorgeous. But I have to tell you something. I really believe that Jesus, if he was walking through the streets during the car wash times uh, like that we live in, he would have a problem with that type of cleaning. Uh, like he would actually probably use the car wash as an example and an illustration to bring home this point. In Matthew 23, verses 25 to 28, Jesus is talking to the religious people, like us. Like, you know, like people look at us in the world and be like, they're religious, they believe in God. And not only were they religious, you could say, or have a relationship, we're supposed to have a relationship uh, with God, but they were leaders. These is like top-notch leaders, and uh, this is what Jesus said to them. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. Verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. And I just want to pause there for a second where it's believed that Jesus was saying this in the background were the whitewashed tombs. So as he's speaking to the Pharisees and the leaders, they're able to see the whitewashed tombs, almost like a car wash type illustration of that day, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead, everything unclean. 
In the same way, on the outside, you might appear um, to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So here he's highlighting, you can look good on the outside, but the inside, there's death. And you know very well, when you go through a car wash, on the outside, your car could look beautiful, but in the back seat, you got your half-eaten junior bacon cheeseburger and probably half a nugget from your four-piece that you left back there in your honey mustard sauce. You know, your car could be a hot mess inside, stinky. There could be a dead squirrel back there that somehow got in. But whatever it is, but on the outside, you look good. And Jesus here is telling these leaders, these people that should know better, it's like, hey, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's death. There's death. Um, and I don't know, like, you could be next to a corpse, and you could use all the perfume and cologne you want, okay, to try to ma- mask the smell, but nothing could mask the smell of death. It's almost as if someone decides, like, you know what? I'm not going to take a shower for a whole year, but I'm going to use deodorant every day. Every day. That's going to be the smelliest person wearing degree every day, uh, like, or, or a secret or whatever. It won't be a secret that they're, uh, they're struggling there. But this is something that's important for Jesus, um, and he was getting it across he wants us to know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So before we dive in and talk more about what it means to be pure, what does our heart mean? I know it's pretty basic, and you might just say it's what's beating within your heart. I mean, within your body, not within your heart. In our culture, our heart is like the center of emotion, you could say. It's our emotions. And our mind is our intellect. We're able to, in our culture, we're almost taught to separate it. Um, Pretty much uh, our mind is our intellect, our heart is our emotions, what we're feeling. In the Hebrew culture, it was completely different. Uh, Your heart was everything. Everything. No separation, mind, or heart type of thing. Your heart is everything. And I'm going to just explain to you. The heart is the center of who you are. It's your thoughts, your desires, your purpose, your will, your understanding, your emotions, and your character. So to put it in perspective, when God says that we have to be pure in heart, he's saying that your thoughts have to be pure, your desires have to be pure, your purpose has to be pure. Your will, the decisions that you make has to be pure. Your understandings, your emotions, your character has to be pure. David said in Psalm 19 verse 14, he said this, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock and redeemer. So pretty much your meditations, everything that you think about, everything that you dwell about, everything that your life is focused on. So here David's saying, God, 
not only do I want the outside of what people see, the words I say to be pleasing in your sight, but everything I dwell about in my mind, everything I dwell about at work, at school, with my friends, with my enemies, with my problems, with my issues, with my career, with my struggles, with my burdens, whatever is happening in your life, God says that, and here we see you through David, whatever you're dwelling on and meditating on, let it be pleasing to you, God. And I want to let you know that that desire for it to be pleasing to God, that is true worship on the daily. What you sing on Sunday morning, four songs, that's there to help you worship. But living worship as a sacrifice is doing that, allowing your entire heart and everything you meditate on to be pleasing in the sight of God, that is worship. So I don't want you to think of worship just the four or five songs we sing on Sunday morning. Worship is what you do 24-7 throughout your entire life. Your entire life could be a fragrant offering to God, pleasing to God. Your thoughts, pretty much what you say, what you do, the decisions you make in your entire life could be a constant fragrant offering to God. So now the big question is, how do we become pure? The Greek word for pure in Matthew 5.8 means to be clean, to be blameless, unstained from guilt. Completely clean, blameless, unstained from guilt. Remember in the beginning I was telling you that there's a product, everybody say product, and there's a process, everyone say process. So I want to let you know that to make you pure in heart, you can't use fabuloso, okay? Fabuloso is not going to be able to help you. Mistoline won't be able to help you either, you know what I mean? Nothing there could help you out of the ones we picked um, pine saw, even though it smells good, it's not going to be able to help you have a pure heart. But I know what some of you are thinking. What about vapurup? Vapurup. Because I know a lot of people that they use vapor up for everything. Some people, man, they, they have a broken arm. Their arm is swinging. They put vapor rub on it. It's going to heal it. I was like, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about that. Let me tell you, and I know you know this, the only thing that could wash you clean and make you pure before the sight of God is the blood of Jesus. That's it. There's no religion. There's no going to church on Sunday, no good works, no I'll do your good over your bad, no, no, no Sunday attendance or ministry involvement or, uh, or things you do for God. None of that. The only thing that washes your heart clean is the blood of Jesus. You deciding to believe in God, surrender your heart to him, asking God for forgiveness and repenting for your sins and asking God to cleanse you with his blood, believing and trusting in the sacrifice that Jesus did on the, on the cross as he died and resurrected, trusting in that is the only thing that could cleanse you is the blood of Jesus, nothing else. 
Sometimes you talk to people, it's like, you know, how can you be made right before God? And a lot of people say, if I'm a good person, good compared to who? To who? Who are you going to compare your goodness to? Oh, the criminal uh, that's in jail? He just got caught. You probably did as much stuff, or I did as much stuff as he did. Who knows? And they, you know what I mean? They might be paying the time, but that doesn't make you better than them. You know, it's like, who do you compare your evil to? Who, who do you compare your evil to when God is holy? We've all fallen short. None of us could come even close to God. And that's why we know Jesus, because he was sinless. He was the perfect sacrifice and took the place on the cross that each and every one of us should have taken. Death, the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty we deserve. But Jesus took it to make a way for us to be cleansed if we believe in him. In Romans chapter 5, um, verse 9, it says this, since we now have been justified, with justified means made right. So we've been made right by his blood. How much more shall we, we be saved from God's wrath through him? So here in Romans 5, 9, you see that we've been made right. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. In 1 John 1, chapter 6 through 9, it says this. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I'm going to pause there for a second. It's pretty much saying you can't say that you're walking with God and being in darkness. Because if you're walking in the way, the way, the path that God has for you, you're walking with God because God is guiding you in this process in the way. So there's no way that you're going to be able to be in darkness and walk with God because God is light. We have to go where God is. And then it says this in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from a little bit of our sin, all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I love that because, I mean, God made, made the way. He made the way for each and every one of us to be made right before God. And I don't know if you've made that decision to give and surrender your heart to God and repent and ask, ask God for forgiveness and asking him to cleanse you with his blood. That's a decision that we have to make. The truth is, on the daily basis, every time you sin, coming to God and asking God, God, asking him for forgiveness, asking God to cleanse you with his blood, you want to be made right before him. That's a daily request for every time 
we sin. It's almost like God knows that none of us are perfect and we're going to sin as we walk through this life, but he provides the way that we could be cleansed and clean and made, be made right before him. But I do want to say, and this is, we're not going to go into this, but there's scriptures that highlight this as well. It says not to use the blood of Jesus as a license to sin. Because you know God is quick to forgive, don't be like, all right, it's okay for me to mess up and sin and practice sin and live in sin. No, no, no. That's, God provides us cleansing, but he wants us to walk in holiness. Pretty much his blood, it's not a license to sin. It's not a license to do evil. It's not a license to do wrong and then run to him for forgiveness. It's pretty much God, it's a path and a journey that he provides for us to be cleansed before him. So we highlighted the product already that God uses to cleanse us, which is the blood of Jesus. Now we have to talk about the process because God has a process too. And before I tell you what the process is, I have a confession to make. The confession is that you're not gonna love the process too much when I tell you. You're not gonna love it too much. It's, it, it's one of those things that none of us love it too much. Uh, like gi- giving, at, at, at face value, we don't love it too much. And I'll explain why, and you'll see it here, the image behind me now. That's the process. There's two major processes I'm going to highlight here. The first one is being purified by fire. And the second one is cleansed by pruning. So these are the two that we're going to highlight. Purified by fire and cleansed by pruning. And this process, like if you want a big Christianese word, you could say, is sanctification. It's the process that God brings you on to make you more like him. That's the goal. God's goal for your life and my life is to make us more like him. Now, this might make some people a little sad too. God's goal is not to make you happy. It's not. It's not. God doesn't wake up and he's like, let me see how I could just make their life much easier and make it happy, make them happy. That's not his goal. Like, you know, his goal is not to make you happy or me happy. His goal is not to give us comfortable lives. His goal is not to remove all stresses and burdens and issues and circumstances out of our lives. You know, that's not his goal. His ultimate goal is to make you more like him. I know we have certain plans that we want from God. Or when we pray, we want what we could have from God's hand. Like if we evaluate our prayers, are our prayers more asking God for things? Like, God, I want this. 
I want un carrito nuevo. I want a better apartment. I want a nice car. I want a better job. I want career. God, give me, give me, give me. And we're so focused on what we could have from his hand that we don't see what's in his heart. That's, and I've said this before, it's similar to kids running to their parents and all they do is give me the ask, give me this, give me this, give me this. And they don't take the time and say, mom, how are, how are you doing? Dad, how are you doing? What's on your heart, dad? What, what, what do you want me to do, dad? Instead of me telling you what I want to do, uh, pretty much play video games or go outside and play sports, dad, what do you want me to do? As adults, a lot of times we fall into this where we go to God just wanting what comes from his hand and not understanding what he has in his heart. And God's heart is for us to become more like him. And to become more like him, it's a difficult process. It's the process of sanctification. And he uses two methods, which the, it's purification by fire and being cleansed by pruning. Now, we're going to first highlight being pruned, uh, purified by fire. Daniel chapter 12, verse 10, it says this, many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. In Isaiah 48.10, it says this, talking about Israel, because knowing God's ultimate goal for Israel too, he said, see, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. All my years following God, uh, because I'm like 25 now, so that's probably like seven, seven years. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 18, and I'm, <coughs> oh man, I'm, I feel like something's in my chest right now. I'm like 40, 40 something like that. Um, I've been following God, actually this year marks 30 years following God. And in the 30 years I've been following God, I don't think I've ever heard a Christian pray, God, please put me in the furnace of affliction. Never. I've never heard that prayer before. Put me in the furnace of affliction. But what's interesting is that that prayer will lead to the ultimate goal of what God wants is to make you more like him. If the furnace of affliction is what's needed to burn away things that don't belong in your life, God put me in it. Put me in it. If that's what's needed so I could become more like you, put me in the furnace of affliction. And but this, this will challenge our thinking because if we want our will to be aligned with God's, which is for us to become more like him, we, we would be willing to go wherever and do whatever has to be done for him to make us more like him. I don't know if you know, but pretty much when you work with goals, you put it on the, under 
fire so that all the impurities that don't belong will come up to the surface and they, they scrape off the impurities to make the gold pure. When it's under fire, the things that don't belong come out. You really see what's inside your heart and when you really see what's inside your soul when you're under fire. When everything is going well and you have a smile on your face and your life is going good, pretty much nothing is coming to the surface. But when there's problems, when there are issues, when there's drama, when there's circumstances in your life that don't make sense and the world is falling apart around you, then your true self is going to come out. What's in your heart is going to come out to the surface. There's certain things you've been praying for God to remove out of your life and God is just looking down and be like, I put it there. I'm not going to remove it. You asked to be, you wanted to become more like me. I've added the fire into your life. I've added the fire because there's things in your life that don't belong and you've been entertaining it. You've been holding on to it. You've been coming up with excuses and rationales. It's okay for you to live this way and to um, keep those sins and those habits and those aspects that destroy you. And God's like, you know what? If anything, how I notice that the fire is not too hot yet, I might increase it a little bit. Just because I want everything that doesn't belong from our heart to surface the top so he can scrape it off and make us pure. Purified by fire, but the other way God uses is being cleansed by pruning. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said this. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch could bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's amazing to think that God wants us to bear fruit. And the fruit that he wants us to bear is the fruit of the Spirit. So he wants us to become like him. And, and that is the evidence that we're in the way, walking in the way, and we're in the process of sanctification. That is the evidence that you're truly a child of God, that you're not just a creation of God, that you're a child of God, so you're bearing fruit. If there's no fruit in your life, no spiritual fruit at all, that means that God is not in you and God is not the Lord of your life. Because if truly God is the Lord of your life, there will be fruit coming out. And here Jesus is saying, look, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. If there's no spiritual fruit, if there's no evidence of God transforming the person in their life and God being the Lord of their life, he's going to cut off those branches. But then he also says for those of us that know the Lord and we have the spiritual fruit growing in our lives, he, said, he says, while every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. 
I don't know if there's gardeners here, but you saw the picture. If we could get it back up there, the picture of the pruning and the fire. If pretty much the tree that's getting pruned, if it would be able to speak, it wouldn't enjoy getting that branch cut off. It hurts. It's painful to have certain things removed that are part, have been a part of us. But God wants to remove certain things in our lives. In Psalm 51.10, David said this. It's a simple verse, but so powerful. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's like praying, God, create in me a pure heart. Created me a pure heart. And, and I love the part he says, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Give me a spirit that I'm going to stick to the way. No matter the temptations, no matter what they might dangle on the sides to try to draw me away, I'm going to stick walking in the way. No matter how painful it is, having my branches cut so that more fruit could be bared, I'm going to stick walking in the way. No matter how hot the affliction might get in my life, no matter how hot and the problems might occur, no matter what might be happening, God, give me the strength in the spirit to be steadfast to walk in the way I don't want to walk and steer away from the path that God has for me so I don't know where you are today but how I told you before it's every single day of our lives every single day of my life I need to evaluate my heart I have to declare my thirst and hunger for God. I have to ask God to uh, make me pure before him by cleansing me with his blood and also be willing to allow him to do what he wants to do in my life, no matter how painful it is, no matter the circumstances, the goal is to become more like him. Instead of getting caught up in the storm getting caught up with the issues. Imagine if we train ourselves that when those moments come, instead of asking why to God, you turn to God and ask God, what do you have to teach to me because of what's happening? What is the lesson? What is the lesson to be learned from what's happening in my life at this moment? That's completely different. If everyone could bow their heads you know where you are in your life. And if you just know you just want to surrender to God, you want to give God your heart, maybe you're here and you know that you need to be washed clean by his blood because there's sin in your life and you just want to surrender everything to him, I'm going to ask you just to come forward. And also, if you're here and you simply just want to surrender everything to God and to declare to God that you're willing to be in this path of transformation, this path of becoming more like him, no matter what it takes, no matter what it takes, if he has to take away things from your life, if he has to burn away things from his life, I want you to come forward and surrender what you know has to be at the altar. Bring it up to the altar. Lay it at the fire before.
before him. Lay it before him so he, he could prune it out of your life, whatever it is. God is there. It's the process that he uses. But it's up to you to be willing to do it. It's up to you to be hungry for him. It's up to you to be willing to walk in purity. And how I said before that the, the promise is to be able to see God. To see God. So the altar is open for anyone that wants to come forward. And as you come forward, I'm just going to encourage you to talk to God. Surrender to God whatever is on your heart. And for those of you that are sitting in your seats, I want you to close your eyes as well. I want you to talk to God and lay down whatever needs to be laid down. But if you want to come forward, you can still come forward. Lay down your sins. Lay down the things that you know you've been holding on to that he's been wanting to remove, but you keep holding on to him. Father God, we thank you for this day. And even now we raise our hands and surrender, God. God, we're lost without you. We need you more than the very breath that we breathe. Please forgive us for all the sins that we've committed, God. Forgive us, God, for sinning and not even coming to you to be cleansed. We repent of our sins. We turn away from them, walking away from them and towards you. And we ask you to cleanse us with your blood, the only thing that can make us right before your eyes. And God, we ask you, to purify us with your fire. Prune away anything that has to be pruned, God. We've realized that you want to make us more like you, God. Forgive us for chasing after so many things of this world. Forgive us for being distracted with the everyday things of life. God, we fix our eyes on you, God, and we want to please you, God. May our words, may our actions, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord God. And God, may the world see you when they see us. We love you, God. We love you, God. We want to give you everything today. Make us more like you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Love you very much. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.